0: Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to the Preston Shuttlesworth Audio Podcast, a place where we believe you can be equipped to conquer any obstacle in life through the power of God's Word. We have a mission and believe that whatever problem you might be facing, God has a word that can lift you out of your trouble. Now, here's your host, Preston Shuttlesworth.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. It's me, your host, Preston Shuttlesworth, back with you again, and, um... I'm glad you're back with me joining me and uh, today is uh, an episode about giving the topic of giving which is a subject that to me and to reasons unknown to me and maybe reasons I'll never understand is a controversial topic because today I'm going to be talking about God being a supplier to his people financially and um also developing a giving lifestyle, which activates God becoming that blesser in your life. And like I said, like it's a controversial issue and topic, like you can talk to, you know, if you took a random poll of like a hundred Christians, I would say very few believe what I'm going to be teaching on and showing you from the Bible today. And if they do believe it, they don't believe it in the realm that maybe I do or that, um, people I listen to do. It's actually a very rare thing to believe that God is a blesser of his people and that he won't only meet your need, but he'll answer and deliver to you the desire of your heart. That really is a rare thing to believe about God. But in my opinion, if you don't know God as supplier and provider, then you haven't really accessed and known the full nature of who God is. And I don't believe that just from my own thoughts, but I believe that from the word of God. And so um, if you have a Bible or if you want to know where I'm getting this text from, I'm going to be reading to you out of 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and reading from verses 6 to 15. And what I want you to understand from this passage of Scripture is it's a letter from Paul, obviously, but it's God speaking through Paul to illustrate and show what kind of person that God desires you to be, what kind of giver he wants you to be. And I believe from the Bible that it's God's will for every Christian to become a giver and to become a sower. And I think it's vitally important, especially as you're young, to become a sower, to become someone that has a giving nature, that giving becomes second nature to you, that you don't become a selfish Christian. You don't become a Christian that tries to hoard everything to themselves and doesn't care about the needs of others. But God will bless you to the point where you can be a blessing to your generation. That's God's desire for every single person. You know, God will first bless you because he loves you and he wants to show you how much he loves you and his nature to be a provider for you. And then secondly, God blesses you to bless those that are around you, to be an influence to your generation. You know, you can read in Proverbs about what wealth does. You know, the Bible even says in Ecclesiastes that money answers all things. And there's that you know, section in Proverbs that deals with how, you know, a wise man could be the wisest man in the whole world. He could have all the answers to every problem, but if he's poor, no one will listen to his wisdom, but a fool who has riches people will come from all over to hear what that fool has to say simply because of the wealth that he possesses. So what does that mean? That means that wealth makes you an influencer in this earth. You can see that even outside of the Bible, just in the natural world, that there's a lot of dumb people who are very rich. And just from the fact that they became very rich, they become an influence in their generation and they become an influence on the world. But I believe that from the Bible, it's God's intention to make us even a greater influence, an influence of righteousness, an influence of the gospel that also has the ability to be a blessing to your generation. I believe that's God's will for his people. And as you're young, I don't care if you're listening to this and you're 13 and you know you think, well, what does this topic have to do with me? I want to get in your heart today from the word of God that God doesn't want you to struggle and scrap through life and never have enough and always, you know, fighting to meet ends meet. And, you know, you're going to have financial problems. And, you know, one day when you have a marriage, you're going to have a lot of arguments with your spouse about financial things. No, that is not the will of God. Poverty is not something that God sends to you to teach you humility and to make you a better Christian. Poverty is from the devil. Lack and poverty is something that the devil uses to keep Christians sick, ineffective, and small. But riches belong to the people of God. And I'm not ashamed to say that. And I don't care how many religious people think that it's wrong for me to say that because I know from the Word of God that it's true. I don't know this from tradition like they do. I don't know it because their great-great-great-grandmother was poor and was a pastor, and their grandfather was a poor pastor, and that's just how it is, you know, that if you ch- choose to serve God, you're going to have less than. and, You know, if you actually want money, you have to go to school for 18 years and get all these doctorates, and get all these degrees, and then you'll be successful, but if you choose the path of God, then you'll have to struggle through life. That's a lie, and it's a lie that the devil has used on my generation to keep us small and ineffective, but it will no longer hold true, and it will no longer be effective, because once you gain the revelation from God's word that he's a blesser and a provider, and is the source of every good thing for his children, you'll never again have to ask a man or somebody on this earth to be be a provider for you, but you can have the relationship with God to know that God is your source and God is your ultimate provider and income. That is the path of the believer, and that's the intention of God. So I want you to see from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to be reading out of verse 6 to 15. I want you to see this. The Bible says, Paul writes, he says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. I'll read that again. Verse 7. Each one, everyone, in other words, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver and God is able to make all all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times you may abound in every good work i want to read that verse again it's powerful verse 8 god is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times you may abound In every good work, as it is written, verse 9, He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. I'm going to read that again. Verse 11. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God for the ministry of this service. Listen to this part. The ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of their submission that comes from their confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. So today's topic is this, developing a giving lifestyle. First thing I want you to see from that passage of scripture in 2 Corinthians 9 is that your level of giving is decided in your heart. You becoming a giver, the Bible says, is a decision you must make in your heart. Paul wrote and he said, each one must decide in his heart what he will give. And so what does that mean? That means it's from a person-to-person basis upon how much you'll give and how much of a giver you will be. And what does the Bible say? That he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows generously will also reap Generously, Some versions will say bountifully. So what that means is, according to what I decided my heart to sow, that will produce the harvest that comes back to me. So I don't know about you, but if this is true, if the word of God in 2 Corinthians 9 is true, then the decision that you should make from a wise point of view is to become a giver that sows plentifully, bountifully, and generously. The decision you should make is to develop a giving lifestyle, that in every Everything you do you become a giver that you don't become a Christian like all Christian like most Christians are where they always are selfish and hoarding and want everything to themselves and they don't care about the needs of others they don't care about starving children in Africa they don't care about people that have less all they care about is themselves that if I have enough it doesn't matter what's going on in this world but that is not the duty of the believer the duty of the believer is to be blessed to the point in God where not only do you, can you provide for yourself and your family, but God can bless you to the point where you can be a blessing to your generation. So your level of giving is decided in your heart. And I choose today, and I will choose for the rest of my life to be a giver that sows plentifully, bountifully, and generously. Why? Because the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. That God loves the kind of giver that when they give, you know, they don't give a crumpled up $1 bill that's so clenched tightly in your fist because you didn't want to give it, that the person that's doing the offering that day can barely unwind it and unfold it. God loves the kind of person that as soon as God puts on your heart to sow, you know, a large amount, you know, whatever a large amount might be to you, as soon as God puts that on your heart, you're going right to the checkbook, you're going right to the thing that you have to do because because you love to give to God. And I'm not saying that there won't be points in your life where God asks you to give something And it takes you a few seconds, you know, it takes you a couple minutes to really be like, God, are you sure you want me to give this amount? You know, there's going to be plenty of situations and times in your life where there's going to be a time when God speaks to you to give something that's so great that it will put you in a point of inward reflection to be like, God, this must be you because if this is not you, I don't know if I'm going to make it out of this, you know, there will be times like that. But God loves that kind of giver, the kind of giver that no matter what, no matter what the price might may be, you don't become sad, you don't become selfish, but you become cheerful, and you become a sower that God can use and God can bless. For God loves this kind of giver. And I don't know about you, but even if you know, that God didn't promise to give back anything for that seed. If God loves me when I do that kind of thing for him, I want to do that as much as possible because my heart towards God is to please him and to do things that provoke his love to me because that's the kind of servant I want to be. That's the kind of man of God I want to be. That's the kind of Christian I want to be. I don't want to be a kind of Christian that their whole life they just disappoint God and you make God ashamed. No, I want God to be pleased with my life. I want God to be pleased with Preston Shuttlesworth. I want God to look at my life and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I want God to see me as a vessel that he can use, an honorable vessel. I don't want him to see me as some, you know, stubborn person who's selfish and doesn't isn't moved by his word. I want to be moved when God tells me me to do something in my faith I want to be someone that God can look at and be like man I can use Preston for this thing and because of that I'll open the door to use him to do it you know you can provoke God's hand on your life from simply doing things that please him and what does the Bible say it says that faith pleases God and tell me you know, you you have to agree with me that sowing seeds that go above and beyond your giving takes a lot of faith. You know, there's not a lot more places that hurt than like your pocketbook and financial areas. But God says, if you will sacrifice those kind of things and give them to me and sow them by faith, I'll give back much more. Because it's wonderful, the promise of God and this principle is not that God is going to ask for all these things and give you back scraps and give you back crumbs. No, the thing is that God will give back to you 30-fold, 60-fold, or 100-fold. That God gives back more than what you gave. You know, you think of the story of the boy with the five loaves and the two fish. And you understand that what he had that day wasn't nearly enough to feed the 5,000 people that were there, probably over 5,000, because there was only 5,000 men, including women and children. It could have been upwards of 10,000. So what the boy had that day couldn't have fed anybody. The disciples remarked, they said, we don't even, this isn't even enough to give everyone a little bit. But when the boy decided by faith to put what he had in the hand of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus multiplied what was given and used that seed of that boy to feed all the people that were there. So understand from the word of God that the principle is if I put in God's hand what he's given me, it might not be in the beginning stages enough to do the thing that God wants to do with it. But when I put it in the hand of Jesus, when I put it in the hand of the master God, then it becomes in a state where it can be multiplied and it can become what it is in Intended to be. You know, in life, understand this this is a principle from God's Word. In life, you might not have what you want. You know, you might not be where you thought you would be. You might not be financially where you thought you would be. You might not have what you want, but you'll always have a seed to sow that can produce what you need. I'll say that again, in life, you might not have what you want, but you always have the seed to sow to produce what you need. So don't be disappointed with how things look now, but have faith in the assurance that by your giving, you can produce what you know God has in store for you. You know, if you live your life in this way, you'll always have something to sow. Because the Bible says from that passage that we read in 2 Corinthians 9, that God supplies seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So a lot of times people make the mistake of eating the seed that they were supposed to sow. And the reason they have nothing left to give is because they decided in their heart that is not the right decision to make. They decided to eat the thing that God planned for them to sow, you know. If I gave you an apple seed and you decided to eat that seed, it might give you some amount of nutrition. It might give you some amount of calories that you can use for your body. But if you planted that apple seed in the correct way, eventually through stewardship and time, that one little apple seed can become an apple tree orchard. That a whole, you know, orchard of apple trees can be produced from one seed over time being multiplied and stewarded correctly. But a lot of times people make the mistake of instead of living by faith and stewardship to produce the apple tree orchard, they eat the apple seed and think that's going to be the end of it. And that will be the end of it if you don't sow what God tells you to sow. But when you make a decision by faith to sow the thing that God said you should sow, you'll have much more in the end than if you would have ate the thing from the beginning. So don't be disappointed with how things look now. Don't be disappointed because all you have is an apple seed and you want an apple tree orchard. Have the faith to know that if I sow this seed in faith, God will bring back to me what I know I want. That's a principle of God's word And never allow any religious person Never allow traditional thought mindsets To tell you that that's the wrong way to think That that's selfish No What's selfish is to be like them And hoard things to yourself And never want to be a blessing to your generation And never want to have enough money to buy Bibles And food and clothes for kids in Africa And never have enough faith To believe that you don't have to have financial troubles And stress in your marriage And you know they say that 50% of marriages end in divorce it's selfish to have the thought process that your pastor is going to have to be burnt out and quit the ministry because he can't pay his building loan and he can't you know supply enough in the ministry to go on and ministry that he has to quit and work six jobs to pay off the debt from the church building that's selfish so never allow any religious person to tell you that this principle that god can produce much more if you give him a seed to multiply that that that's wrong no what's selfish is the other side that says you have to scrap and struggle through life and that through that process, God will teach you lessons and make you humble. No, I choose to be a giver. I choose to believe that God is my source and my supply. I choose to believe that faith when attached to a seed, can produce a harvest, I choose to believe that I don't have to be dependent upon my college degree or upon my connections to people on this earth, that my life and the increase and multiplication of what I'm called to do is dependent upon my faith to God and the seeds that I sow in my life to give God something to multiply. That's faith. You know, religion's the opposite. Religion says you have to struggle. And things are always going to be in lack and there's always going to be problems that arise and that you're always going to have to, you know, pray for every month that you can pay your rent and pay the water bill and pay the electricity bill and pay the Internet. No, I don't have to do that. I can be assured and have an overflow of supply and abundance in my life and understand that God is my source and no man or woman on this earth is my source. Have faith and the assurance that by your giving, you can produce what you know God has in store for you. Because God supplies seed to the sower. And this principle, when it's activated in your life, begins a never-ending cycle of multiplication and increase in your life. You know something? Your future is only one seed away. I'll say that again. Your future is one seed away. You know, you, like I said, you might not have what you want. You not, you might not have the apple tree orchard right now. You might not have the worldwide ministry. You feel like God has called you to have, but you have a seed and God is looking from heaven right now upon your life. And he's seeing what you're doing with what he gave you. Are you going to be like the the boy that day and make a decision that instead of giving it to Jesus, because think about this, think about this. What if that boy which he could have easily done. He said, well, there's 5,000, there's 10,000 people here, whatever, you know, And but I have enough food to feed me and maybe even like a couple of my friends. So I'm good. I don't have to give what I have to Jesus. I have enough to get by through this day. I can go home with a belly full of bread and fish and I'm cool, you know. What if the little boy made that decision that day to do that? You know, he could have done that. He could have been like 99% of Christians and just ate and been satisfied and not sown it into the hand of the master. But when you make a decision by faith that says, you know, I I have enough for myself, but I choose to give it to God. What God does is he's pleased by that decision. And not only do you do above and beyond, not only are you fed and not only can you feed 10,000 people, but the Bible says later in that story that there was 12 baskets full of overflow from the seed of the loaves and fish that that boy gave that day. Hallelujah! So that's the principle of God. That not only can I feed myself, and not only can I feed 10,000 people, but I'll have 12 baskets of overflow that come along with it. Why? Because it was a seed sown in faith. In a seed sown in faith, not only will it provide for you, not only will it provide for others, but there'll be so much excess that the says as in other places, that there won't be room enough to receive it. Hallelujah. You know, I can go throughout the whole Bible. I can go to Peter. And the disciples, when they were fishing, and Jesus said, after they had you know, spent all night fishing and caught nothing, he said, cast your nets on the other side. And the Bible said, when they obeyed the word of the Lord and they put their nets in the water, they caught so much fish that their nets were beginning to break and their boats were almost sinking. Because when you obey the word of the Lord and you do what he's asked you to do, and you sow a seed in faith and you make an action and a step by faith, God says, I will give you overflow. I will not only meet your need and the needs of your friends and family and, you know, all the people that are around you, but I'll give you excess and overflow that there won't even be room enough to receive it. Hallelujah. Because your faith attached to your action will move God. Your need will never move God. I want you to understand that today. This is a big point from this today's podcast. Your need in life will never move God. Your need in life will never move God, but your faith attached to your action will move God because the Bible says in the passage that we read in the beginning of this podcast, 2 Corinthians 9, it says that God's plan is to enrich us in every way so that we can be generous in every way. I'll say that again. God's plan is to enrich us in every way so that we can be generous in every way. You know, people might read this portion of scripture and they're like, oh, that just means like righteousness. God wants us to overflow and love and joy and peace and like the fruit of the spirit and stuff. And he does want us to be enriched in that. But he made a point to speak through the uh, apostle Paul to write, in every way you'll be enriched. Every way. So any religious person that would try to make you not believe this word and say, well, Paul was really just talking about, you know, like grace and love and joy and uh, and just tell you that. That's true. God wants us to be enriched in all of those things. But he made a point to write through the Apostle Paul every way you'll be enriched. So that means financially, that means spiritually, that means mentally, and that means bodily. I'll be enriched in every way. For, so what? So that I can be generous in every way. You know, so I have love so I can give love. I have joy so I can spread joy. I have peace so I can spread peace. I have wealth so I can spread wealth. I'm healed so I can lay hands on the sick and other people can be healed. It's the principle of God that once he moves on a life of a person, Once He blesses them, once He heals them, once He saves them from sin, once He gives them freedom from depression and anxiety and fear, whatever He does, He wants that to not only be true for you, but then He wants to use you as a vessel to spread all those other things to those that are around you, so that you can set someone else free from depression, that you can pray with somebody, and they can repeat the salvation prayer, and they can be saved, so that not only can you be healed, but that you can lay hands on other people, and they can be healed. And finally, what I'm talking about today not only will you be financially blessed, but you'll be so financially blessed that you can bless those that are around you. So it's a selfish religious mindset that would say, no. You know, you just have to work for everything, and it's going to be hard, and it's going to be toil, and it's going to be pain, you know, and that's just how life is, and that's how it was for my dad and my grandpa and my great-grandpa, and they'll tell you every story in the book about how their family never saw this happen, but it doesn't matter what happened to their great grandfather. What matters is what the word of God plainly tells us and what we know to be true by faith. That if I sow something to God, I'm not just going to get back what I sowed, but I'll get back much more because I don't believe my God is going to call me to ministry and then make me struggle through life and struggle financially. You know, I'll pray to God. I'll be like, God, if you called me, I don't want to struggle and I don't want to have problems because I chose to serve. I don't want to be mocked by my enemies and say, well, oh, the reason Preston doesn't have enough is because he chose to be a preacher and didn't go to the four-year school. I don't want this world to put me to shame because I chose to serve God and now I don't have enough. No, when I pray to God, I say, God, I chose you and God show through my life and display through my life that when someone dedicates and chooses you over the world, you don't have to have less than, but you can have more than enough that you don't have to be beat up through life but you can be a conqueror. That you don't have to be a loser in life, but you can be someone that's more than a conqueror. You can have an overflow of abundance. That choosing you is the better way. That choosing God in the path of righteousness is the only way. No, God, I don't want to live a life that says, well, if I choose you, it's going to be a hard life. Things are not going to go right. But one day in heaven, it will all be worth it. No, I want to bring heaven to earth. I want to be a depiction in an image that when God blesses somebody it works and it works for their generation and it works for them that choosing God is the best way that choosing the path of righteousness is the best way that choosing the life of God and putting your faith in him that he is your source you'll have more than enough that he'll give you riches and he'll add no sorrow to it all the promises that are in God's word all the things that God said could be available for you all of those things can be made alive and active and God I'm not going to choose you and be poor I'm not going to choose you and live in lack you know you can pray those kind of things to God and you know God's not upset God's not going to be mad at you in fact God is pleased when you approach him upon his word and upon the promises that are made in his word God is pleased by that why do I know that because the Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God for those what that come to God That's praying right there for those that come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So if you don't believe God's a rewarder, you don't know God and you haven't come to him in faith and he's not pleased. I can tell that from that verse, that when I approach God, when I come to God, I must first believe that he is, that he is my savior, he is my provider, he is my healer, he is my source, he is all of that and more. I believe that he is, and I believe that he's a rewarder of me that's diligently seeking him, and without faith, it's impossible to please him, and my faith attached to my action will move God. Hallelujah. God blesses us first because he loves us. And secondly, he blesses us to make us an influence and be impactful to our generation. Bible says, I quoted earlier, Ecclesiastes 10, 19. Money answers all things. That's a verse that most religious people wish they could tear of their Bible. You know, they that's a verse they like to skip over and not acknowledge exists because it destroys the notion that poverty is from God and that poverty will humble you to make you a better Christian and all of these religious tra- traditional thoughts that keep the church of Jesus Christ in lack and insufficiency and all of these things that it was never intended to deal with when in fact, being blessed financially opens up doors to be a greater influence to your generation and to be a greater blessing to your world. Wouldn't it be wonderful? If instead of Bible schools having to lower their standards to receive government compensation and grants to stay open, and now they have all these people coming in from all over the place, and they have to bend and bow to the will of their government, and the government has the ability to shut down their church operation and shut down their Bible school because they had to take government help and financial help from them, instead of that, that the body of Christ could have such financial donors in their ministries that they could have schools debt-free, that would produce ministers that are on fire and full of the Holy Ghost? Wouldn't it be wonderful if instead of pastors having to quit the ministry and be, and have problems in their marriages because of financial stress and not being able to pay their building loans, that instead of that, we could have thriving, healthy churches in America that were making impacts in their cities? Wouldn't it be wonderful that instead of 50% of Christian marriages ending in divorce because of financial stress and arguments that, stem from financial issues, that there could be marriages that are strong and more in love every day because they never had to argue about how they're going to pay the bill that month or how they're going to pay the car note that month. So don't ever tell me. To my face, that poverty is from God, that God is using poverty as a tool to keep people humble and keep people in line and let his children know that, you know, you have to just struggle and scrap through life and that's the nature of God. That's a lie from the devil. Poverty, never forget it. Poverty is a tool of the devil to keep Christians sick, ineffective, and small. But according to 2 Corinthians 9, I am to be enriched. In every way to be generous in every way because my God doesn't just meet my needs he is the God of overflow and he answers the desire of my heart but we can clearly see can't we that in today's state of Christianity God is not moved by need because everywhere you look You see need in the body of Christ. Everybody's sick. Everybody has a financial issue. Everybody has something going on in their mind. Everybody's popping medication pills and antidepressants and all of these things. And they dismiss it as mental health. They dismiss it as it's God's will for us to be poor. And all these problems of the devil that Christians have dismissed and use religious Christianese to cover up what's really going on. But never forget it. God is moving. By faith. And faith is the only thing that pleases God. So never say, I have too much faith. Because if I have too much of the thing that pleases God, I'm pleasing God and I'm making you upset, not the other way around. If you don't know God as a rewarder, it's because you haven't been rewarded by Him. That's a biblical fact. Many Christians know God as Savior, but until you know Him as provider, you haven't experienced His full nature. God is my source, and I move his hand by the seed I sow in faith, and I choose to live generously. I choose to have a lifestyle of giving. I choose that if God tells me to sow $1,000 and I have $1,200 in my bank account, I'm sowing $1,000 because God is my source, and everything I have, every cent in my bank account already belongs to him. So what is the difference of giving it to him directly? All I'm doing is taking care of his stuff while I'm on the earth. Nothing I have belongs to me. Don't have this selfish Christian perspective that you're an owner of all these things. No, you're a steward. Have you ever read the Bible? You're not an owner of anything. You're a steward of God's gifts. And if God has given me a gift and I'm stewarding over it and he asks for it, I'm giving it to him without one second hesitation because it doesn't belong to me. I'm his servant and I'm a steward over his gifts. And if he asks of me his gift, I'm giving it to him right away. And that's how you should be too. Because don't be this kind of person that takes ownership of all these things in your life and you become materialistic. You know, they're going to say, if they listen to me, they're going to say, oh, you're materialistic. No, you are. You're materialistic because you're so selfish that your car, your house, you wouldn't give it to God if he asked you, if he sent an angel, if he sent Michael the archangel to your house and asked you for something, you wouldn't give it because you're the selfish one, not me. So me being a giver and a sower, I'm not selfish. The religious person that says you have to hoard things to yourself and never be a giver is a liar. And they're the ones that will have to repent before God one day. I'm not selfish. You are. Because religion will always lock you down and make you small, make you ineffective, make you sick, and make your mind race with thoughts of depression all day long. But God's promises is, I will make you free. I will set you on a path of increase. I will promote you at every turn. I will make you the head and not the tail. I will make you above and not beneath. I will make you blessed going in and going out. That's who God is. So the religious perspective is selfish. This is not selfish because I choose to be a giver. I choose to be a sower because I understand that as long as I'm a sower, God will give me something to sow. And the thing that I sow will produce multiplied what it was sowed to be because I might not be where I want to be. I might not have what I want to have. The dream that God's given me might not ha- might haven't come to pass yet. But what I have a seed to sow that will produce what I need. So I choose to live generously. I choose to be a giver. I choose to stand out from this world. I choose to be someone when people see, you know, my giving records one day, I hope they fall over and faint because of the shock they'll see of my giving records. Because I am a giver. And from a young age, I choose to be someone that is generous because I am called to be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way. I hope one day, you know, At the end of my life, I can look back on my life when I'm 95 and I can see all the things that God did through my giving, all the ministries I helped along the way because I gave to them, and because I gave to other ministries, God bless my ministry. It's the principle of God, and it never runs out. It will never stop working. Why? Genesis says this. It says, as long as the earth remaineth, there shall be seed time, and there shall be harvest. Hallelujah. This promise of God that I'm preaching to you about today and teaching from the Word of God, it will Will never run out. It will never not prove effective. It will never be unfruitful. It will always produce a harvest for as long as the earth remaineth. There shall be seed time and there shall be harvest. So I choose to live generously. I choose as a young person to be someone that gives when God moves upon my heart to give something. I'm not a hoarder. I'm not selfish. I'm not someone that keeps everything to myself and is not concerned about soil souls that are going to hell, bodies that are sick with cancer, people that are dealing with issues in their mind to the point of suicide. I am concerned and I have a heart for my world and I have a heart for my generation and I choose to be a giver because I understand from God's word that when I choose to be a giver, God will bless me, increase me, and promote me, that God will open doors for me to use my gift as I become a sower. And that I will always have something to sow. For God gives seed to the sower and he gives bread to the eater. Hallelujah. Don't waste the thing. Don't waste the thing and eat the thing. That if you put it in the ground would produce a hundred times over what it would have if you just ate it. People make the mistake of eating what God wanted them to plant. You'll never regret sowing a seed in faith. You'll never regret sowing a seed in faith. Because giving isn't only how you move God's hand. Giving is also the greatest expression of love. How do I know this? John 3.16 For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave... For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that He gave. And greater love has no man but this. To lay down his life for his friends. God so loved the world that He gave His Son Jesus. And Jesus so loved me and you that he gave his life for us. And I so loved Jesus that I gave my life to him. You can't express love without giving. There's no relationship that is of love that doesn't give. You can't love God and not give. You can't love God and not give. Giving is the expression of love. Love is giving. If you aren't a giver, you don't love God. You must develop a lifestyle of giving. You must be make you must make giving become second nature to you. That you're not gonna hoard. You're not gonna become someone like selfish. And keeps everything to themselves, and is not concerned about a generation that's going to hell. You must make a choice. I will be a giver. I will give my life. I will give everything to him. Because I love him. I'll give everything. I'll give my whole life. <laughs> you know, God called me into ministry when I was four years old. And I've never wanted anything different. I've never cared about any other thing. I never had any other interest or passion. I only wanted him. I only wanted to serve him. I only wanted this. So I what I gave him my life. His, my life belongs to him. Because I love him. So don't tell me that giving is not from God. God... Gave the greatest gift. His only son. And Jesus. Gave his life for me and you. So don't tell me that God. Is not a giver by nature. That's a lie. You know I grew up in a home. Where my parents constantly gave. Always showed me. That giving is the thing to do. Giving is the way to God's heart. Giving and living and acting by faith is what moves God's heart and moves his hand. That everything we have, we have it because God gave it to us. That we're not selfish, we're givers. That everything we have, every good thing in life came from him. James 1.17, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, for whom there is no variableness, nor shadow of turning, Every good thing comes from God. Every good thing in my life is because God gave it to me and my family. My parents instilled in me the understanding that this is why we have the things that we have. This is why we don't have to go to the doctor every month. This is why we don't have to pay our bills by working six jobs and not being able to be home to be with you for dinner. This is why we have the ability to have no stress in these areas because God gave it to us. And God was the one who made it possible. We have these things because God gave them to us. Everything we have belongs to God anyway. Thank you for listening. And he only asks for a small percentage to be given back to him. And in return, he blesses every other part of thing we have. God asks for 10% and he blesses it 90%. God asks for 10%. And when you give him that 10%, he blesses the 90%. When everything belongs to him anyway. So, what's the discussion about? What's the argument with God about that things don't belong to him? It seems like a pretty good deal to me that if I give God 10% of what I have, he'll bless my 90%. Seems like a fair trade, doesn't it? Not even a trade. It belongs to him anyway. So if you don't give that, you're stealing from him, first of all. Second of all, if you don't give above that, you don't love him. Tithe and offerings. Malachi 3. The people of God robbed God. He said, where... The people of God were upset. They said, oh God, where have we robbed you? And what did God say? He said, you've robbed me in the tithe and the offering. Not just the tithe. You've robbed me in the offering too. So it seems like a good deal to me that of everything I have belongs to God. And I give him 10% he blesses the 90%. And if I give above that, he'll give back to me 30, 60, 100 fold according to what I've given. That if I sow sparingly, I'll reap sparingly. If I sow bountifully, I'll reap bountifully. Seems like a pretty straightforward promise and a good deal to me. But most Christians will never get it, it will never compute in their mind. And they'll mock those that preach it too. What a lie! Giving is the key that unlocks never-ending provision and promotion. It's what moves the hand of God to bless what you've set your hand to do. I'm going to close in Psalm 37. And I want to read the Psalm of David because this Psalm of David drives this point home in a way that I don't think I could. So I want to read it to you. Psalm 37 Verse 25 and verse 26. Just two verses. I have been young, and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, or his children begging for bread. He, God, is ever lending generously, and his children become a blessing. Turn away from evil and do good. So shall you dwell forever. For the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Nor have I seen God's people begging bread. He is ever lending generously his children become a blessing. (laughs) Becoming a giver assures that you'll never become a beggar. (laughs) Becoming a giver assures and guarantees that you'll never become a beggar. Becoming somebody who's dedicated to God in every way, that even your finances belong to God will set you on a path that even one day your children and your children's children will be blessed. You know, the Bible says the cursing only goes to three generations, but the blessing goes to a thousand. You know, I've seen that principle true, hold true in my own family. And that God has been faithful to my family. God has blessed my family that every promise is true and alive it works man I'm telling you it works this works God took my grandfather my dad's dad who was a drunk 18 year old in Ida West Virginia no one knew his name no one knew where he where he lived no one knew anything about him got him saved set free from alcohol got him filled with the Holy Ghost got him to Bible school He met my nana there. They began ministry. They had a powerful ministry for over 50 years. Pastoring all over the United States, traveling everywhere. They had four sons. All four of them grew up to be preachers, evangelists, pastors. Powerful ministries, every one of them. Youngest of them being my father. All of the uncles, my father, all of them had children. Every single child in full-time ministry. They have powerful ministries. They go all over the world, have influence in every continent on this planet because of the blessing of God upon my grandfather. Don't tell me this is some far-out Christian theory that doesn't hold true and doesn't work. No, it works. It works. It's more real than air to me. It's more real than the realest thing on this planet. It's real. It's made the difference. It's real. And you might say, well, my family is this. My family has a curse. Blah, blah, blah. No. You can be the first person in your family that trailblazes the path of this principle. And you become a financial blessing, not only to take care of you and your own family, but to be a blessing to your generation. You must develop a giving lifestyle. And you will, in Jesus' name. Well, I love you. I'm glad you listened to today. I hope it blessed you. I want to update you and let you know that we're working on a website for the ministry where you'll be able to partner and give to this ministry. As God's been opening doors for me and um, sending me different places, I felt to make a place of contact for you, to get in contact with me and become a partner, become a one-time giver, whatever God puts upon your heart. And so if you follow me on my social media, on Instagram, I'll keep you posted as to when that website will become launched and available to you. But for now, I just want to say I love you. I hope this has blessed you. I hope... The word of God has rung true in your own heart whenever you are listening to this and wherever you are listening to this. So I love you. God loves you. And I'll talk to you soon.
0: Thank you for listening to the Preston Shuttlesworth Audio Podcast. To stay connected with Preston and for booking information, make sure to follow him on social media on Instagram and stay tuned for our upcoming ministry website. For more episodes, please subscribe and make sure to come back here every Friday for brand new weekly content.